Hey, Shelly, do you remember the days of being in corporate talent acquisition? Oh, absolutely. Every time the phone rang, it was another staffing agency claiming to be innovative and different. I used to wonder when someone would truly elevate the industry. Well, hold on to your hat here because that's exactly what Van Hack has done. Shelly, picture this a closed community of pre verified tech talent ready to relocate to Canada with all the paperwork taken care of. Sounds too good to be true? Well, not anymore. Van Hack has made it a reality. They have built the community of skilled software developers eager to make the move, and they handle the entire immigration process. And that's not all. They're taking it up a notch. Companies with offshore development teams, listen up. Van Hack's introducing the Canadian Engineering Office. Move your entire dev team to Canada, and Van Hack handles all the nitty-gritty details of immigration and relocation. So can you imagine, Serge? The applause from your CIO if you were to walk into his office and bring this solution to the table. Shelly, every time I walk into an office, I get applause. But that's not all. (laughs) The best part is they've got certified immigration consultants on board who've done this countless times. They understand that every family situation is unique. Revolutionize the way you recruit, relocate, and retain talent because when it comes to innovation in the talent acquisition world, Van Hack is leading the charge. Get ready to be the hero of your company. Check out vanhack.com today. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. We're at HR Tech at the Plum Boot for this Friday episode. Shelly, mm-hmm. how excited are you to be leaving HR Tech? I'm not excited about leaving. Oh, I am. Oh, okay. I've got little ones <laughs> waiting for daddy to come home. What'd you bring me? What'd you bring me? Yeah, exactly. But for this episode, we figured we'd bring two stars of past episodes. One is Tremendous friend to the show, a mentor to myself, the love interest of Shelly Billinghurst, Jason Putnam, CRO at Plum. Jason, thank you for coming. Thank you. I'm not sure which one I like better, your mentor or her love interest, but I'll take both of them. Let's clear this up. Let's clear this up. No, Ryan Reynolds. Just, well, actually, you're better looking than Ryan Reynolds. Oh, there you go. Because I know you're happily married. But it's the thought. I'm sure you have lots of thoughts. Now, I want to introduce one of my favorite person in the industry, Michelle Meehan, the CMO at Plum. We had her on the show two weeks ago, and that episode is just blown up. Michelle, welcome to the show again. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm so excited to be back with you live. In person. Yeah. Live in person. In the last couple of days, we have spent a lot of time with Plum. And Plum is known to host the best events. And I got to say, they did not disappoint, Shelly. Yeah. The wow. Beatles love show was amazing. It was so much fun. Cirque du Soleil, Canadian company. I think they knew that when they picked that. Throw so that in there. Yeah, I, I always have to throw that in. I love that you had a good time. I think one thing that Plum is really trying to do is differentiate ourselves from the rest of the folks in HR tech, right? 
And so we're coming out trying to increase our messaging in a really relatable way. So you'll remember at Rockfest, we were all about informing people about flourishing. Here at HR2, we really want to talk about how all you need is plum. That was really our Beatles tie-in. Our booth is Beatles. We have a yellow submarine. Our event was around a 60s bar in the Beatles. But the basis behind that is really that 86% of organizations today don't even understand what data that they need to become a skills-based organization. And that data, as they understand it, is dispersed across multiple mediums. And if you and use Plum correctly, it can be the first data set you need to become that skills-based organization. So here we're asking everyone to chart their course because all you need is Plum. The other thing that I heard comment on, because anywhere you go in this conference, everybody's checking around AI and we are leading with that. You don't need AI. All you need is Plum. Well, it's interesting, right? Because why do you not need AI? Here's the thing. AI has become so incredibly prevalent that ultimately you can have computers talking to computers. You can say, this is the job description. This is my resume as it is. ChatGPT, please help me write a compelling resume. But have to know that that's the person that's going to do great at the job. You really don't. And everyone now has that tool at their disposal. So ultimately, Plum is the assessment that you need to see what people are innately good at, not just what they're saying, but what they actually could do if just given the opportunity. Perfect. Guys, I want to know everything about yeah. this show because you've obviously been quite busy. So Jason, who's impressed you the most at HR Tech? What company really stood out to you? Michelle and her team who put this booth together and we won <laughs> the booth for us. Right. But other than that, there's a unique approach and most people's booth all say the same nonsense. Right. They're all selling to employers, which they should. That makes the money. But they either talk about AI or skills on their booth. And every booth says, here's a finger that points to this. Let me do a demo. Let me do this. And nobody wants to come here to get a demo. If you do, like you're at the wrong place. We want to be a safe harbor as a booth, but we'll get a demo later. Hire Z did it really well. And I'm a big fan of theirs. Phenom's booth was really good and it was very welcoming. You want to be this safe harbor where people come in and have conversations and they don't want to feel sold to. They don't want some salesperson jumping out going, let me scan your badge. If that's why you came to HR tech as a company, you're doing it wrong. Not only are you doing it wrong, but it leaves a lack of differentiation. When I walk around, this is what I see. These are the awards we won. This is an explanation of what we do. And here are our features and benefits. And ultimately, that's the narrative that people identify with on a visceral level, right? That's just a bunch of facts thrown at them. It doesn't really speak to how does this help me? Even as a candidate, as an employer, it's very about them versus about the people they're serving. The other thing that I noticed, and this was also true at RecFest, and I'll give Caitlin a lot of credit because she noticed this, many of the activations, the activations are how we capture your badge. Come play cornhole, come do this, are very male-centric, mm. right? So at RecFest, we did the braids, which people really appreciated. Here, it's just come in, have a good time and do that. So again, talking to people at other companies who don't have Michelle and they can't have Michelle, make it all inclusive, make it comfortable where everyone knows they're here to get sold to. But why are you doing it? Why should I come to your booth? And why do I give a shit about what you said? That's mm-hmm. it. Shelly, what's your take? I mean, our best 
not only the boot itself, but who had the best activation, the most buzz, who, who seemed to be the company everyone was talking well, about? Well, I think something I've learned from Michelle is that it's not always about just coming in and pulling people in and trying to pitch them something. It's about how they experience you. And there was one other booth, and I, unfortunately, they must have failed because I don't remember who the company was, but they were doing the prices right. Mm. Oh, fun. So it, it wasn't about what problem are you trying to solve or trying to, to scan your badge. It really was about having fun and having an experience. The level of activation is interesting when you see it because it's always designed to, I just want to scan your badge and either sell you something in the future to get our marketing list or come in, let me give you a demo. If you just see our product in five minutes, you're going to want to buy it. Nobody wants to buy your product that they've seen in five minutes. We've had people walk into our booth going, can I see a demo? And our answer is no. And that makes me a horrible CRO. Mm. But the answer is no, come into our booth, have a good time, enjoy stuff. When we call you next week or next month, or you call us, then we'll give you the demo. I want to talk about the themes of this show. What did you hear the most about talking to other vendors or practitioners that were walking around? AI was definitely a buzzword that everyone had. And I think it was Alex from Broadbean that said, some of these booths, it looks like they basically put a sticker on the boot saying AI on top of where their boot they already had. And I'm sure that happened. So Michelle, what really stood out at you? What are the key teams you saw? Ultimately, I think there are really only two topics people are talking about. The first being AI and how that comes to life. So people are talking a lot about ChatGPT in all of the sessions and on a significant number of boots. The other thing is really skills. But I think in both situations, we have an issue where AI and skills are not being either clearly defined or being defined in the same way. Vendor to vendor, I think, is causing a lot of confusion for practitioners because there's so much information that it's not really clear whose information is accurate and going to be beneficial. Yeah, I was saying that in spot on, I was saying this to somebody earlier, that there's a lot of a diagnostics happening at the show. Mm. Oh, you need AI or you need skills, but nobody's telling you how to actually do any of that. So the example I used earlier is, hey, get on a scale. We're going to tell you what you weigh. Cool. You weigh this. Oh, you're overweight. You're underweight. Have a nice day. Nobody's actually telling you how to lose weight or how to eat better, or how to get in shape. They're just doing the diagnostic mm. and then saying, have a nice day. And that's where I think this skills-based thing in, in AI is just more about from a vendor perspective as a vendor. Let's just say words that are going to get people in our booth or get people to listen, but nobody's actually solving the problem or telling you actually what the problem is. And if you've been doing this long enough from just a marketing perspective, every year there's a buzzword, right? There was a buzzword once a long time ago that was the tablet. Yeah. And then it was social and 5G and the Internet of Things and skills and AI, right? And, and big it's, data. Or is that oh, before big, you? Big data yeah, was I you forgot use. that one. Your traffic lights are going to interpret what yeah. the traffic patterns are 100%. But ultimately, I think there's really a question of how do these buzzwords relate to me? How do they change my world and what I need to buy and make my tech stack relevant? You know, one of the themes that I saw over and over again, and every time I walk by, I just feel like my head's going to explode, and it's talent intelligence. It is such a catch-all, and I'm like, do you mean talent management? Are you talking about current employees? Are you talking about... It's a buzzword, Shelly, and I want Michelle to chime in too in a second. You think of it as a grocery store, and you get to be on an aisle, 
early on with Plum, we've made, had to make a decision. What aisle do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the assessment aisle? So on the assessment aisle, we could have more shelf space. Do you want to be on the talent intelligence aisle? There's a lot of people who've raised a lot of money on that aisle. We would have small shelf space, right? Or do you want to, do you want to create your own aisle? And talent intelligence has been this aisle at the grocery store that's gotten really big. We've intentionally avoided that aisle. What we do is talent intelligence. We provide you data to make decisions on your talent. But just putting yourself in that makes you then have to have your booth say talent intelligence. You have to spend all the money on talent intelligence. And it's just a buzzword that will probably go away like next year or the next year because there's enough. What I think when I hear talent intelligence or some of these other buzzwords is that everybody wants things to fit in a box, right? And that's just human nature in terms of pattern recognition and feeling really comfortable in that things that we know. And rather than classifying things by a category that industry has set or a buzzword has set because it's been talked about on a podcast or a series of words, we really need to think about like, how is that solution working for people that are using it every day? So I think that those big categorization of things often confusing people and makes them feel like, it oh, is. well, I have to line that with this budget item to make sure that when I report to my CFO, everything's in line. But ultimately, it's really more about how is this helping your organization and streamlining your processes so that your bottom line is positively impacted. And we can see people running into an office right now going, CFO, I need a talent intelligence platform or I need an AI platform. Don't focus on what it's called. Focus on the outcomes of what that thing does for you because the rest of the business is going to happen. Really good insights, but we got to move on because I'm sure the listeners are like, oh, stop talking about this HR tech show. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. No, I'm yes, you want to cover search. what's in the news. What's in the news? Let's jump in the Let's news. Wait. So there's a couple of things that I want to get both your perspectives. Canada added 64,000 jobs in September, and that was double the expectation. I was supposed to be around 30,000. And these are small numbers compared to the U.S., but 64,000 seems like a lot. It's like we've been waiting for the floor to drop in the labor space. And these numbers keep looking really good. But the majority of these were either in educational, a lot of them were also seasonal blips. What we're seeing in Canada is a massive population growth. Our immigration numbers have really created couple good things. It's helped us fill the labor pool that we have, especially in hospitality, other areas that were very challenging. But it's not as rosy. I am still predicting that the economy, especially in Canada, is going to go through a really deep, dark 2024. Shelly, I know you feel different, but tell me. Wow. There's a wet blanket for you. Yeah, that's what I am. Search. I'm finding it hard to get the energy to even respond. And I don't see it that way. No, I don't. I think what we are seeing is probably one of the most optimistic things, and that is youth. And with immigration, we are bringing in young, educated, and families. Our birth rate has been on the decline for the last, what, 40 years? Mm. So I think it's a very positive sign for the Canadian economy. Is there going to be a recession? Are my clients not going to hire anymore? No, they're still hiring. Who's? Business will still move on. Businesses don't see this recession in the same way. One thing, I think what you just mentioned is helping us tremendously, but also causing uh, a really big problem for the economy because we simply don't have enough housing 
which is an economic problem. Housing has gone up. We're almost double the average price of it in the U.S. with salaries that are not much higher. So how is that not causing inflation? They feel like they're sitting in between mom and dad. (laughs) I'm leaning in, looking at you in the eyes across the table. I want to tell you everything's going to be okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure it'll be okay, but I think let's deal with reality. There's we're dealing with two different economies, right? There's always going to be ups and downs in the economy. I think Canada's absolutely doing it right from an immigration perspective. Your birth rates are way lower than ours in the U.S. And the U.S. relies a lot on Mexico, legally or illegally, right? We have the labor that we need versus what you guys have. So I agree with you, Shelley, about bringing those people in. The world of jobs is changing. So there's a lot less jobs open right now in that middle market. So a lot of it is hospitality, it's hourly, it's gig. And then there's a lot kind of white collar. But that will change two months from now, three months from now, six months from now. This goes back to what Michelle said. People want to categorize things. And a recession is a categorization of what is happening in the market. And the thing that's great for the U.S. is once we go to war, the economy's great. And that's probably going to happen. And what are you doing? Well, let's jump into the U.S. numbers because a very similar story. If you look at the analysts in the U.S., they added 336,000 jobs last month. There's not a lot of full-time jobs. We're actually seeing some sectors decrease pretty dramatically, especially in the white-collar space. What are you guys feeling in the U.S., Michelle? Ultimately, I think there's a little bit of spin in everything. And as a marketer, I really recognize that, right? There's this momentum and this feeling of, hey, the job market's great. Don't have to be worried about labor shortage. You don't have to worry about there not being enough skilled employees to come and fulfill the jobs that you'll work because we're pumping these really high numbers into the job market. But those people that are being pumped into the job market are not the skilled workforce that actually need to fulfill where the labor shortage exists. And so it's this false narrative where there's not two pieces that coincide with one another. And so I get worried that we're focusing on the wrong thing overall. That is exactly the challenge that we're seeing in Canada as well. There's also a political thing that's happening in the U.S., right? We can wear blinders. It doesn't matter what side of the political party you're on. There's an election that is coming up, Mm -hmm. right? So what you try to do is paint your narrative on either party to say, is that number good or bad, Serge? Yeah. And people have to take that. So if you're one party, you're going to say 336,000, that's great. From a pure macroeconomic perspective, that's how you have to look at it. Again, this may be a provocative statement. We raise inflation in the U.S. Do you know why we're raising inflation in the U.S.? Tell we're me. raising inflation in the U.S. to take the people who have sat on the sideline who didn't work, the moms at home, the people who are living on government assistance. We're pushing them into the workforce governmentally to make them work because well, our, our engagement rate is not high enough. The way you get people into the workforce is you make things so expensive that they have to work. That's what's happening in the U.S. So a lot of wet blankets. So uh, how about we move to the tip, tip of, the, of week. the week? One of the things that we wanted to share was just thinking about being mm-hmm. a, an HR tech leader or somebody mm-hmm. who's here representing their organization. Mm-hmm. If you are planning to come as to a show like HR tech, there's some things you really need to be super, super clear on or don't bother coming. So the tip of the week is have a plan. Be really clear on what is the problem you are looking to solve, not hoping that you're going to trip across a vendor that is going to solve all your problems. 
I met a woman today at our booth and Michelle and I haven't worked the booth much, right? Even analyst briefings and all the other things. We happen to be here and she walks up. She's like, can I ask you a question? And Plum wasn't on her list, funny enough, but she stopped here and we were friendly. So she talked to us. Plum's now on her list. And she goes, I did research for a month before I came. He's a practitioner, like a director level practitioner. So maybe has budget, but the ultimate decision maker. She goes, here's my problems. And I've picked these 14 vendors. I want to go to their booths. So to your point, Joe, she literally walked in and goes, I have these three problems. And I think these 14 vendors can help me. Will you help me find boots? And she literally walked in with that. And, and I was wow. like, yeah, we've been doing this a long time, like Michelle and I have. And I'm like, hey, do you want any feedback on your list? Because I think there's other vendors you should talk to yeah. who can solve this. And we sat down five minutes and helped curate her list to then go do her point. Yes. That's mm -hmm. the tip of the week. Love Thank it. You, now let's jump into the recruiting insights. And we've had a lot of different phrases we've had quite quitting the the september surge yeah great uh, resonance going res back yeah. but mm -hmm. there's a new one and i don't know if it's going to stick or not it's called grumpy staying and this refers to employees remaining in a job while displaying persistent irritable attitudes negatively affecting workplace morale and engagement here are the signs of grumpy staying include increased complaining Negative attitude, disengagement. Let's get into grumpy staying. What's your take here, Shelly? This is nothing new. Disengaged employees are what can pull everybody down. If you've got somebody who's on your team who is, call them negative Nancys, they will infect everyone. One of the who things that around I someone think, like that? Nobody. Nobody. First of all, no one. And second of all, I think that really speaks to two things. One is, are they using their innate skill set yeah. in their job and feeling great about what they're doing every day. And then two, what is the culture of the company that they're living within? You could be put in a job, and I've done it myself, and I know Jason has as well, we're using the skill set that is so inherent to who we are as human beings. But what's come down from the top is not something that we necessarily can thrive in, despite what our individual job contributions are meant to be. Yes, I have been at set companies. I'm going to pile on what you said, Shelly. I think there's four types of people at an organization. And think about it like a four block or a gardener magic quadrant. The bottom left are people who aren't on the bus, who don't believe in the mission, and they're bad at their job. And that's easy. Those are people you find. The top's easy, right? They're surge. You're on it. You're hitting your numbers. You're a great leader. And you believe in the mission. Those are people you leave alone as a manager. Go do your thing. The top left are people who believe in the mission but who, who don't necessarily hit their targets yet, but they're culturally a good fit and they're trying. And as a manager, those are people you manage and coach because you want to get them better. The worst employee you could have is the bottom right. They're high producers who are a cancer. And what they do is they end up pulling every other group down, especially the top left. They pull them down and they end up building zombie companies within an organization to where they build their own culture because they're high performers. They may be your top sales rep, and they bring people around them and they build this separate zombie culture within the organization that ruins the entire company. So true. I've lived it as well. I agree completely with what you're saying, Jason. I think people don't generally want to do a bad job. People want to be successful, happy in their job. And there's something that's costed. And it could be the company, right? It could be the leadership. But I think a lot of people have to look at within themselves. Should they still be there? Because if you are unhappy at your job, and you've got the golden handcuffs, it's not worth it. 
It's not worth staying in a job just for the money and being miserable. And you are going to drag down the rest of the company. Find a way to leave. That's the only advice for anyone. If you're an employer, just help that transition with the most empathy possible, but get them out. And in some cases, like you said, Jason, it's just you need to get rid of them. And one thing I'd say is get them out or get them into a different spot, right? Not everybody is prepared to just leave their financial livelihood aside, but maybe they're just an absolute wrong job within the organization? And is there a place where you can place them where their skills will be vital to the outcomes that are happening so that they feel like there's intrinsic value to them being there? Let's move on to the next recruitment insight. So I want to talk about using AI while doing interviews. There's a story that came quite viral on TikTok of a lady basically videoing herself, doing an interview and having her phone open next to her and the questions were being asked. And a lot of the questions were like scenario-based questions and the answer was popping up and she was giving that answer and doing really well. And she did this in several interviews. If you take this and you also take how candidates are leveraging AI and applying for jobs, like it's really easy to apply to 100 jobs, 200 jobs, within hours, which is just creating a lot more noise. I just want to dive in on this particular issue because we are doing a lot of Zoom interviews, even in a post-pandemic world. It's still the most common thing, right? Like we're not bringing everyone to interview face-to-face. We have found it more efficient. Jason, I'll go to you first. Is this a bad thing or actually might be good? It's a binary question. I'm really good at answering yes or no questions with a yes or no, but I don't think it's a yes or no answer. Yeah. Because inherently, technology is a good thing if it's used for good reasons. What companies are not ready for is the world has completely changed and they haven't figured it out yet. I'm sure somebody got yelled at for using an abacus like we got yelled at for using a calculator in school and our kids are using GPT in school. It's not a bad thing. It's not cheating. So if everyone can game the system, then that can no longer be a correlating factor in the decision you're making to hire. Right. So if everyone's answer is exactly the same, you can no longer use that as a data set. So you have to find the right data that you can then use. So if I can upload my resume to ChatGPT and upload a job description to ChatGPT, I'm either a 100% match or a 0% match to a job. There's no longer this gradient match in a job anymore. That can no longer be used. If I know I can come up with these answers in an interview, you can no longer do that type of interview anymore if everybody can do it. This is not the plum bandwagon that I'm on, but you have to have a different way to screen people into jobs. Mm. And even if their answers are good today, most companies are still hiring for hard skills, which are important. I have to make sure somebody can do the job, but the half-life of those hard skills is two and a half years. Mm. So Shelly, I hire you today, two and a half years from now, everything you know is relevant. So does that mean I'm going to fire you two and a half years from now? No, I'm going to hire you for who you are as human. I'm going to bring you in. This is what companies should be doing. And then as the new skills are needed for the new jobs, I'm going to invest the time, money, and effort each to make sure you can stay there. I love that analogy because when I watched the, the TikTok video, you can see from behind her this panel interview and they ask her this interview question and then her chat GPT is set there, listen to the question and give her the response. Now, first thing I thought was, I know where this panel got that stupid ass interview question. They went to ChatGPT. <laughs> I'm thinking, what exactly are you trying to find out about this candidate? And you've got six people on a panel interview 
against one person and you're asking the most stupid ass question. Like, tell us about a time when. Oh, that God, makes are they for the fabrication. Worst? Oh, my God. It absolutely does. Not only does it make for really the worst responses, but okay, ChatGPT helps them come up with, oh, this happened and this happened and I did this and this. Great. Here's the problem with that. Or the things that they did easy for them or hard for them. If they're easy for them, then that means that ultimately they'll be able to do that every day and feel really fulfilled about that, thrive in their job and flourish and the company will thrive and they'll stay. If in fact that thing was a massive lift for them, even if it was completely true, they'll do that job for six months and then be completely burnt out. Then they will be the the grumpy. The grumpies. The grumpy state. Yeah. Yeah. There's one thing that I've seen, and I'm seeing this with a ton of people that are working, is they're not lasting very long in jobs. They're lasting four months, eight months, 12 months. What's causing this is a lot of people that are not qualified are getting the job just because they become really good at applying for jobs. And a labor market shortage has caused that as well. All these tricks are really nice, but you still have to be able to do the job. I think it's causing a challenge. And just do the job, Surge, right? Because anyone can do something once, twice, three times. But once it becomes a day-in, day-out thing, do they feel comfortable? Does that feel valuable? Does that make them want to get out of bed in the morning? Or does that make them want to stay in bed and like never get up because they don't want to do it again, no matter how good it is? So I really appreciate being at your boot for the last couple of days. Yeah, it, 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 yes. No, it's been one of ours. How fun. It was Canada for great. Life. It was really cool. <laughs> we met a lot of cool people. Your team is amazing. And I do want to call out, you got a certificate of recognition as being named in the top 25 work tech vendors for 2023. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's actually been like two straight weeks of winning awards uh, last week. I accepted uh, the Gold Stevie for talent acquisition and that looks, talent that management. That sounds made up. That no, made I know up. it sounds totally made up. She got up, all dressed up. I was she dressed went. up. I was <laughs> in Manhattan. Uh, I have a picture taken. It's a real thing. People are recognizing what we're doing here is really different. And for me, that is the most exciting thing is like creating something that's resonant. And as an executive in the company, all the awards are great. And it's testament to a good product, good people. Two weeks ago, we won the top 50 place to work in the entire right. world. That's oh, right. Yeah, I even forgot world. about that. Congratulations. Right? And there's always these caveats. Companies this size are in this. No, it was of all 50 companies in the world, we were wow. one of the top 50 to work for globally. Congratulations and kudos Thanks, on a really good HR tech. Shelly, any parting words? Cheers to Plum. Cheers, cheers to Plum. To Plum. And <laughs> cheers to Surgeon Shelly of the Recruitment Flex. We're so happy to have our Canadian partners here in the booth with us all week. Thank you guys so much and for being a part of this. cheers to Shelly. Ah, Jason. <laughs> Thanks, all right. Jason. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Thank Merci you. beaucoup. Au revoir. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And Mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, This is where our friends at Rectex come in. 
They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. 